Leadership File on Premier. Well, great to have you join us for the Leadership File. I'm Andy Peck, your host, uh, whether you're listening live on a Sunday or one of the thousands who listen via podcast. It's great to have you along. If you use the word intergenerational in some church leadership circles, uh, vicars and ministers break into a cold sweat. Who could not want to minister in an intergenerational way? But in practice, different things are meant by the word. And for some church leaders, it means the hassle of creating services where young and old can benefit, even if neither are totally satisfied. Uh, For some, it means all age services and others for children to be there at the start and then go off to their groups. In some places, there's a mixture and variation around this theme. Well, to help us think about this whole topic, I'm joined by Gareth Crispin. He's the BA Mission and Ministry Lecturer in Evangelism, Mission and Ministry at Cliff College near Sheffield. He's co-author, along with Ed McKenzie, of Together with God, An Introduction to Family Worship, and co-hosts the Together with God podcast. His doctoral research is on family, ministry and intergenerational church. So we have with us one of the foremost experts anywhere in the UK. Welcome, Gareth, to the Leadership File. Hi, Andy. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I, I was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but uh, but clearly not everyone is doing doctor research in this particular theme. Yeah, I was going to pick you up on the uh, idea of me being a foremost expert. I certainly <laughs> don't feel like that, although I haven't gone around asking what everyone else knows and thinks. So, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of people thinking about this. Um, I don't know of anyone else in the UK doing specifically this sort of thing. I have one other person I know uh, down in Cambridge who's doing something quite similar, which is great to be able to talk to her. But, yeah, there's not there's not many of us. Well, great, great to have you with us. And uh, this will be a key, a key topic for many, uh, certainly in church leadership, but not just those in church leadership. Many in leadership in all sorts of ways are asking questions about intergenerational. So a little bit first about, about Cliff College. It has um, uh, Methodist roots. You've worked in Anglican and Baptist settings. So this is wonderfully ecumenical, I guess. Um, can you share your, your, your journey a little bit to, to getting to Cliff? Yeah, well, I I don't know about ecumenical, Andy. I'm certainly non-denominational, but I'm not saying that's a a good thing or a confessional thing. Um, It's just kind of how it's worked out really over time. I I grew up uh, in a Christian family, being part of Baptist and Anglican churches. Um, And then after training for youth, children and families ministry, where I I trained at Oak Hill Theological College in London, and that trains Anglicans and Baptists. Uh, I then worked in a Baptist church, for a few years and then in an Anglican church. So it's mostly in and out of Anglican and Baptist churches. Although um, when I was a student, I was abroad for, for a couple of years around those times and I was in kind of independent charismatic churches at that point. So I've been around, but I do now find myself at Cliff College, which has a, uh, a Wesleyan uh, tradition, uh, a foundation that's Methodist. Um, but the thing is, I think denominations are formed around doctrines and issues of church practice that are historically located. So I guess a lot of people probably like me that um, the denomination is probably less important than other questions. Like say, say if you're an evangelical, you'll be thinking, you know, does this church teach the Bible faithfully? You know, if you're a charismatic, you might be thinking also about uh, certain types of expressions of worship, that sort of thing. So I think clearly it's, it's quite normal. This might be your experience. I don't know, quite, quite normal for people today to choose churches, not based on the denomination, but on other criterion. So, um, I mean, at Cliff College, we've got the majority of our students come from actually outside the Methodist Church. Um, so my students are on the programme that I run, they'll be Anglican, they'll be Baptist, Pentecostal and Methodist. 
um, churches represented there. And I, I say churches deliberately because you know, they, they, they happen to be in those churches often rather than saying you know, they come from that denomination committedly, if you like. So uh, I mean, either way, it basically it leads to a really great mix of people in the, in the lecture room and the, and the seminar room. So, um, so, I mean, the way I'd put it is that you know, Cliff College has got a Wesleyan foundation and because of that, it is committedly squarely evangelical. So it's a member of the Evangelical uh, Alliance. And, uh, but what it does mean is that within that, there's a really healthy diversity of background and opinion that's there. So, yeah, that's how I would sum it up. No, that's just really helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth. Um, now, you'll see some of the changes from full-time youth workers uh, and then increasingly people are... Our churches are appointing children's workers, now increasingly family workers. What do you make of the kind of move in the last few decades um, through these different approaches to uh, ministry within, uh, within Christian churches? Uh, it's a really interesting question because, I mean, we could do a whole, we could do a whole episode on this, Andy. There's, there's so much to say. Uh, you're right, there has been a move from, from one through to the other. And we, have, we are at the stage where people are starting to add family to the title. I mean, I guess I'll make sort of three main observations. I mean, the first thing is that there is actually huge diversity in job names, job titles. Um, so you mentioned youth worker, children worker, family worker, but actually um, a friend of mine, Ali Campbell, who's a consultant, a youth, children, families work consultant, he did some research with about 400 people who were working in churches. And uh, one of the questions is, what's your job title? And out of those 400 people, there was about 240 different job titles. Uh, absolutely staggering, or almost, almost a job title per person. Well, that is, that is staggering, yes. It is, it was unbelievable. I mean, I knew there'd be diversity, but the, the extent of it was incredible. And now, of course, that, that could indicate a whole series of things. Um, I think part of what it is, is there's a confusion, generally speaking, around what churches should be looking for in a person who does that sort of work, you know, youth, children, families, work full stop. So, you know, should they be working with one age group, you know, very much you know, children or, or very much youth, or you know, should they be working with parents or not? Isn't that the vicar's job or the minister's job? And what about schools or that community? So when you add all these questions in and confusion, I think, in a lot of places around what they should be doing, you end up with this, you know, massive proliferation of job titles. And I think allied to that, secondly, what I'd say is, a lot of the job descriptions I see are like way too big. They're like enormous. They're like two, if not three jobs rolled into one sometimes, um, which to me is you know, slightly annoying because what it really shows in some ways, I think, is a you know, desire to have your cake and eat it and not, not take the, the hard choices that you need to, to take when you're thinking about what somebody can actually do in a church. So you're, you're almost like, th you know, you're saying you want Superman to come and, uh, and do something. Um, but lastly, and I guess this might have been actually where you were going with your question, Andy, so, so I may have beaten around the bush a little bit, but lastly, I think there, there is this move towards putting the word family into job descriptions. Now, from my perspective, that's really great because it's a recognition of some of the research that's been coming out in the last uh, 10, 20 years especially, where we're realising the importance of parents, we're understanding their impact, and that's both within the church and externally as well. And so I think that's a really healthy thing to do. Uh, but then in the last two years maybe we've seen a couple of roles appearing with the, with the word intergenerational in them which is interesting as well and whether that turns out to be a passing fad uh, or not I don't know we'll, we'll see uh, but, but for me one of the things that does concern me is the extent to which there's the potential for churches to latch on to an idea because they think it's uh, just you know something that's going to the silver bullet if you like that's going to stem the flow of youth and children from the church rather than thinking actually are we are we kind of like committed 
to this idea, like, for example, family ministry or intergenerational church? Are we committed to that rather than thinking this might be the thing that saves us? So that's, that's a concern of mine as we sort of think about those labels that, uh, that they're using. Well, that, that leads us beautifully to the next, yeah, my next question really was, was to, for you to define the word intergenerational. I, I, you know, in my introduction, talked a bit about services, but obviously it's a bit more than uh, the kind of services you have. So how, how would you define it? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Andy. And, and in some senses, I don't really mind what words people use, so long as we all understand exactly what we mean by them. That's part of the problem in this. People will use words differently. And so uh, normally when people in, if you like, in the literature, so you read books on intergenerationality and all-age church and that sort of thing, uh, people mean something quite technical, quite specific when they talk about intergenerationality. I'll end up using the word IG, if it's okay. It's just so yeah, sure. Repeating it. So IG church or IG ministry. And people will distinguish that from multi-generational activities or church. So now both of these things have all, age, all ages present. So they've got naught to, you know, whatever. But IG is specifically when all ages are interacting with each other. And when they do so from a perspective of the principles of mutuality, and bi-directional teaching and with a commitment to social situational learning theory. Now there's loads in what I've just said there mm. and it's worth just unpacking some of that. Um, but, but before I do that, just if you think in practice, multi-generational church, so it, it's almost like the, everyone's an audience watching one thing and that one thing is trying to hit different levels and if you've ever seen that with a Pixar film, like, you know, kids are there laughing at something, but there's, there's, a, there's something in what's being said that they don't get, but the adults do. And it's kind of that kind of idea of laying it so there's something for everyone. But there's no interaction between the, the audience. It's very much like a we're watching the one person up front kind of idea. But IG is much more those people have now turned inward towards each other and they're interacting. Now, of course, you might... You might flip between those two things in, in any one kind of encounter. You might be doing a, a multi-generational thing, like a, everyone's watching what's going on up front, and then everyone turns towards each other to discuss something between age groups, and then suddenly that goes from multi-generational to intergenerational. So things can flip. So it's not like one church is IG, one church is MG, multi-generational. Um, and these things can be fluid, but um, there's a whole host of issues to discuss around that. But that, that, that's the basic description. Right, that's, that's, that's enormously helpful. Well, we're going to come up to a break uh, now, Gareth. So uh, we'll come back to, to unpacking some of that in a minute, a little while. So you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Gareth Crispin. He's the BA Mission and Ministry Lecturer in Evangelism, Mission and Ministry at Cliff College. Uh, particularly, we're talking about intergenerational church or what we're calling IG. And we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Gareth Crispin. Uh, Gareth's the BA Mission and Ministry Lecturer in Evangelism, Mission and Ministry at Cliff College. He's the co-author, along with Ed McKenzie, of Together with God, an introduction to family worship. And his doctoral research is looking on uh, at uh, family ministry and intergenerational church. And we're talking before the break of, uh, of what intergenerational church or what we're calling IG uh, is really about. And... Uh, I guess, um, Gareth, you talked about a number of churches getting in on the act, as it were, and appointing family ministers. Um, and, and I guess it's, it's, it's possible to kind of miss the point um, of this. What, what for you would be, quotes the point? What, what's the, what's the, the, the kind of principle behind this IG approach that you think has, has got biblical backing and, 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 and the smile of God upon it? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's a, there's a massive discussion around, around all, all those issues there, Andy. And part of the problem is that we, we can have a form of mission and ministry without thinking and reflecting on the underlying theology. So, so I've, I've kind of described what IG is, but I'm not necessarily saying that it is a good or bad thing. Um, I think fundamentally, you know, it, it is a good thing to embrace uh, children in their, in their learning and their inclusion in the faith community. But how you go about that and why you go about it in the particular way that you do is something that's not really not really thought about a great deal. So that's such a key question, actually part of the subject of my PhD. And in my research, there was an issue around people not really necessarily understanding what was driving their mission and ministry, not thinking about the theology behind it. I mean, obviously, when you're thinking about what drives the way you do things, the senior minister is very important. Uh, and obviously their background and their age and stage and, and that sort of thing, their personality, that's really important. But, but what I found was that their theology and the underlying philosophy of ministry was absolutely essential. And that was true when it came to IG or family ministry. And, and what I found was that the more conservative, uh, the more conservative evangelical and the less charismatic a church was and the church leader was, then the less keen they would be on IG and the more keen they would be on family ministry. Um, and that's not to say that conservative churches couldn't embrace IG, but what I'm really passionate about is, is, is helping churches to think from their theological commitments, what can they do um, that embraces uh, intergenerational uh, mission and ministry? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's loads of reasons for this sort of thing going on and the nuance and detail, we haven't got time to go into it, but I wouldn't mind just to throw out a couple of headlines. Mm, please so, do. So, so, so in my research, I found that the underlying uh, an openness to IG was an embracing of what I call ludicity. So ludicity is this kind of idea of freedom, participation, informality, authenticity, and relational safety. Those are the things that people were talking about in the research I did. And so then the question is, what, what theology is fertile for ludicity? What theology and philosophy of ministry uh, you know, is good for ludicity? And so it transpires in, in, in looking at this, it, both uh, in my research, but also through the literature. That, that charismatic theology and more we'll call open evangelical approaches have a theology of the Trinity that's not hierarchical, it's more social and relational. Uh, and along with that, they've got a theology of the spirit that's freer from the word. So not in that Western tradition of the, of the word, uh, you know, the spirit proceeding from the word, but the spirit being freer from the word. Um, and those, those tend to be fertile ground for ludicity. They tend to be fertile ground for that idea of freedom, participation, informatic, authenticity, and that sort of thing. Um, and at the same time, churches that, that draw more on conservative evangelical theologies, they've got models of leadership that are very much about the shepherd guarding and guiding the sheep from the front where the leader leads through preaching and teaching. But in open evangelical approaches, you've got um, much more sort of um, yeah, horizontal, flatter leadership models, less focused on teaching and preaching from on high, if you like. Now, you can see that all of those things link together to form you know, fertile ground again for, 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 for IG. If you've got a flat leadership structure that focuses less on cognitive authoritative teaching from on high, you've got this idea of actually much more space and room for children. I just want to put in a kind of marker here. I'm not saying, of course, that we should think, oh, this theology over here, that's really good for IG and we want to do IG so we should change our theology. Now, that would be a very odd thing to do. But what I said, as I said, I'm, what I'm really about is helping churches to see how their theology drives their practice and how they can take a step back and think critically and reflectively on their theological commitments and what they mean for their mission and ministry and what they might need to draw on from within their tradition if they want to emphasise one thing or another. So, I, so although I've said conservative medical churches are not good at IG for the reasons I've set out, I think they can be. And I think they can be from their tradition. Uh, and that's, a, that's an area that really has not been explored 
uh, at all here too. But that's my passion there. No, sure, Gareth. And it's clear that from the New Testament there isn't a, there isn't a cl- enough detail given as to how the gatherings took place. There's uh, obviously some occasions the Apostle Paul would address, um, you know, fathers, uh, don't exasperate your children, you know, yeah, children, yeah. obey your parents. and you know, So there's a little bit of uh, acknowledgement of, of the family, but there's nothing about... The learning patterns, are, you know, are they based upon Old Testament ideas? We don't yeah. really know, do we? Yeah, well, this is it. So whenever you read, and this is, this is, a, this is the IG field is a new field growing um, and lots of great stuff going on. But the, the biblical basis is a really interesting discussion because whenever you see a biblical basis for IG sort of put out there as an argument, when you read it, you think, I just don't think those passages are necessarily saying that. They, you know, mm. they're, they're saying, yeah, you know, you know, raise the children in the instruction of the Lord. They're saying embrace children in the community of faith. But they don't say, if you think of IG being that participative, um, you know, sort of a bi-directional teaching, mutual kind of process, there's, there's, I've not yet seen an argument which says this is a good thing, you know, biblically, theologically. Um, so I think there's a real, um, you know, real kind of gap there if you want to develop that. I mean, I'll just say there's a really interesting discussion within the literature around Deuteronomy 6. So Deuteronomy 6 is one of these key passages that uh, family ministry, intergenerational church people go to because it's that idea of, you know, along the way, you know, teach people, uh, teach the youth and children, raise them, in, uh, you know, in the, in, the, uh, in the ways of the community of faith along the way. And there's this big discussion around um, whose children are we talking about and who are we talking about doing that kind of uh, instruction along the way. And so uh, family ministry people will say, that's the family. And IG people will say, well, that's the wider community of faith. It's like the whole body of, the, you know, of Israel. And it comes down to a very close, if you like, exegetical discussion around you know, who's in view in Deuteronomy 6. So IG people will say, um, actually, the whole community of faith have gathered to hear the reading of the law. And when it says your children, it means your children as a community of faith, everyone's children, so we should all be doing that. And whereas uh, family ministry people will say, well, actually, when you look at the Hebrew there, what you've got is you've got your, the word your in that passage is singular masculine. So it's saying your to, to, to individual people and those individual people are men. So it's actually saying fathers of specific children, you do this thing. So that discussion even gets down to that kind of very close exegetical uh, kind of debate, if you like. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still waiting for somebody to, uh, I don't think it'll be me anytime soon, you know, write a, a real kind of strong biblical case for a specific IG approach, as I've outlined it in a kind of uh, uh, participative but mutual kind of, kind of way. Well, Gareth, this is all, all fascinating. Um, and we haven't got time for the next question, <laughs> but I will, I will lob it at your direction just in case you... I mean, you know, the, the, the elephant in, in the youth ministry room, of course, is the decline, massive decline in children and youth engaging in any church at all. So, um, you know, the, that, that, is, that is a big issue. You'll know the Church of England, sadly, their statistics for mission uh, mm. 2019. All dioceses, apart from Hereford... <laughs> had a decline over five years in the number of children uh, that's up to a 16 attending church. Just any thoughts? Should we be massively discouraged? Should we be excited that parachurches are doing their job? So it's not just about whether they attend local church, they're doing other things. What would be your perspective on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I'm worried about being discouraged or encouraged. I mean, we've got to accept the reality is where it is. Um, I, I'm sometimes worried by uh, approaches which seem to say, oh, let's start, um, let's start really seeing how scouts and church schools are kind of ministry in the church. Um, they obviously can be, but I think sometimes this is a way of just saying, 
oh look, the numbers aren't as bad as they as we say they are by counting things we didn't previously count, which doesn't get us anywhere. We're just counting different things. Um, I think you know parachurches. Uh, organizations can do to really great really great jobs and I guess sometimes they point they're kind of like pressure groups within the church they're pointing to places where the church maybe isn't uh, doing enough but I think what I would say is that I think sometimes although although it's very clear that a lot of people come to faith before um, 11 and that's obviously clear um, I think we don't want to put too much of a focus on uh, youth and children I think sometimes we do that because we're we're basically you know scared of doing evangelism as adults I think that's a that's a I've seen that time and time again um, we like the idea of doing something with children especially if they're in a school and we've got this institutional relationship with them and I think we need to be really careful about that because a I think it does it does open us to the charge of, of indoctrination I don't think we, I don't think we're guilty of that but it does open us to that charge because we're focusing on on children rather than adults but also I think it does it does really kind of like beg the question you know what, what is it about the church if the church isn't you know kind of willing and, and able to to look adults in the eye and say here's good news here's good news which is for you and your children it's really helpful gareth really helpful um so as, as we close um obviously we're just scratching the surface you've been very kind to um you know give us 25 minutes on a you know, something you've been studying for hours but uh, particular books that have might help uh, listeners who want to follow up on this um well i mean books and resources i mean there's there's loads out there um a friend of mine ed mckenzie's written a great book called networks of faith formation which just looks at all the different networks that young people draw on in their faith journeys and so that would be if you people want a podcast then together with god which you mentioned at the beginning is a podcast that ed and myself do which thinks about uh, the relationship between church and home and and youth groups and things like that and so do you can go, you can google that and listen to that we get a guest on each time and and think about something specific there. So that would be a good start as well. And th- those those things will point you in the direction of other resources as well. Um, so that would be something to, to that would be a place to start for sure. Good. Well, thank you, thank you, Gareth, very much. Um, in terms of ministry at, at Cliff, you, uh, I understand you have uh, a new chapter starting. Yeah, yeah, a new a new chapter in the shape of a, a centre uh, for the study of youth, children, families, mission and ministry, which is going to be starting uh, in twenty twenty one. Um, and we're going to be basically having three forums a year where we're gathering together to do research around youth, children and families, mission and ministry from a squarely evangelical perspective. Um, so that's going to be specifically kind of an MA level and above. Um, so it is going to be something that uh, people who are kind of engaging with youth, children and families, mission and ministry at that level would want to engage with. Um, but it's really exciting for us to do that. Uh, we're, we're, we're really excited to be planning that and partnering with various organisations. Yeah, youth for Christ are already on board with us on the Governing Council and uh, we're really looking forward to, to getting into to the research of uh, how we do mission ministry with uh, youth, children, and families. So yeah, that's an exciting development for us. And, and if someone's listening and interested, would they mean they need to move to Cliff, or can they do it part time? How's it going to function? Well, it's very, so the centre itself is is, is not a, a course or a program. That's just a gathering of people who are interested in, in thinking about uh, mission ministry to those groups. And there will be uh, information on our website. Um, from uh, January so if people are interested in thinking about uh, research in that area and looking to uh, get uh, information about that centre look on our website from January Gareth you, you sell it really well so thank <laughs> you <laughs> but our uh, uh, thanks to you particularly now for, uh, for your time today and, uh, and for this insight and uh, wherever you are in that journey I'm sure you um, you need to think about um, how best you enable all those within your church family to to grow in Christ and uh, whatever options you choose I hope this uh, this conversation has been of help to you so thank you thank you Gareth thank you very much and it's great joy to be with you 
And, th and thank you for joining us. Do log on to Premier's website, listen to archive versions of the Leadership File. Of course, if you're in youth uh, and children's work, you can uh, also get um, a free 28-day trial to the Youth and Children's Work magazine, which is something that I help to edit. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 4. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.